0: Mm, good espresso. That's delicious, nice and strong. My name is Keith Beavers, and... What's going on, wine lovers from the Vine Pair Podcasting Network? This is the Wine 101 Podcast... My name is Keith Beavers, and I am the tastings director of Vine Pear. We begin something new right now. It's a place called Champagne. Oh, this is gonna be good. You all wanna know about Champagne, right? Like, how did this all happen? We're gonna go real far back. It's cool. Okay, this is going to get really intense, but you guys, I think, are going to really enjoy this. Before we do get into the history of Champagne, if you'd like a nice overview, just like with the Bordeaux series, if you just go to Spotify or whatever and search Champagne Wine 101, I did a full breakdown of the wine region of Champagne. And of course, during that episode, I said I wanted to do more, and I couldn't, and here we are, let's get nice with champagne. Oh, champagne, with your south-to-southeast-facing slopes at at least a 12% gradient, with your chalky soils mixed with limestone and clay, otherwise known as marl or mudstone, With your chalk consisting of calcite granules formed from the skeletal plates of marine phytoplankton? Yeah, champagne. The thing is, there's so much to be said about how famous champagne is. And during this series, we're going to get into all of that. But one thing that comes up a lot in talking about champagne, before all the fame and fortune and bubbles, is the soil. The white chalky soils of the Champagne region that contribute to the quality of the base wines so that the Champenois can do their work in the traditional method, making beautiful, these days, bubbly wine. So really, this is where we have to start when understanding the history of Champagne. We actually have to go back Well over 300 million years ago. (laughs) Yeah. It's a long time. Like back in the day, Earth. Now, this is a wine podcast, but I'm going to go back in time and talk about how the Earth was formed. (laughs) Not, Not really, but I'm going to talk about lithology and paleogeography. These are the two things that study the movement of rocks on the Earth and the characteristics of those rocks as they move and form throughout the earth's history i know i said this would be intense it's a little intense the thing is the earth has not always been the way it looks now thing is as the earth was forming and moving around for eons and eons there are these things called super continents that would eventually break apart formed back together in different ways and eventually would come to what we know as the earth today when you look at a map 900 million years ago there was the supercontinent of Rodinia. 600 million years ago there was the supercontinent of panosha 420 million years ago the supercontinent of Euramerica, basically just what europe and america would be and 300 million years ago the most popular supercontinent out there pangea If you don't know that it was a supercontinent, that word has been used a lot, so I'm sure you're familiar with the word Pangea. That was a really big supercontinent, and at the time in history when that was happening, we already had insects, we had plants, we had amphibians, we had all kinds of cool stuff happening, we had dinosaurs, everything was happening. And the cool thing is Pangea is a supercontinent that was formed from two other supercontinents colliding. This is massive stuff. When Gondwana and Larissa came together, it formed Pangea. Okay, this is a lot. And all this is moving around from tectonic activity. Mountain ranges are being formed under the ocean, pushing land masses all over the place, then breaking apart and coming together, like I said. And the Pangea supercontinent is where Champagne's real history starts. This is the land mass that will eventually form Europe. Because Pangaea, like every other supercontinent, begins to break apart throughout history. As everything is moving around and all this upheaval is happening, right around southern Germany, the North Sea, and the northern part of France, the landmass experiences what is called a crustal extension, meaning the shelf of the continent begins to extend. And the shelf of a continent basically just means the continent's edge underwater meaning, you know, a continent doesn't—land mass doesn't always end at the shore. It keeps going for a little while. It's called a shelf. These shelves rise through other mountains being formed in what will eventually be Europe. These, what are called basins, which are large forms of land surrounded by the upheaval of mountain ranges because of tectonic activity— as the paleogeography begins to change and break up, those basins are just waiting for water to rush in. And at some point, somewhere bef- just before the Jurassic era, that's just, guys, the, these eras are just too intense. I'm just going to say Jurassic because you guys understand it. And that is the era this happened. But at some point, northern France was a shallow. Sea. Basically, the northern part of France was one big continental shelf underwater. And there's a word for that kind of landmass with water over it or sea overlying the continental shelf. It's called Epic Continental. It's kind of cool, right? Epic Continental was just one sea. Have your brains exploded yet? Because there's more. But this is cool, right? It's fun. And it's here when this area was underwater that organisms lived with names like Coco lithopores, bellamites, just basically in marine invertebrate forms. And what's really wild is underneath this sea with all these ancient organisms like swimming around is Paris. And Reims, the capital of the Champagne region. Because what happens is more tectonic activity begins and creates these massifs around what will be called the Paris Basin, which is the northern part of France. We know about massifs. We've listened to the Burgundy episode. We didn't know about the whole central massif, that large, huge massif in southern France. Well, that massif, the central massif, or massif central in the south. There was another massif that occurred in the west, to the west of this basin, called the Amorican Massif. Then to the east, the Vosges, Massif, which is where the Vosges Mountains are, and then to the northeast, the Ardennes, which is a mountain range as well. I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly. But what happens here is when these large land masses form, as they're doing so, they create drainage for the Paris Basin in the form of what we know as the Seine River and its network, the Loire Rivers, the Meuse and the Moselle Rivers. These rivers incise the Paris Basin which just means it cuts through and allows water to drain out into what will be the Atlantic Ocean. And throughout time, during all these periods like the Triassic, the Jurassic, the Liassic, all of this, this basin keeps getting deposits of different organisms forming limestone, forming chalk, forming marl and clay, and then it begins to evaporate. Because as all this crazy, widespread uplift of massive amounts of Earth happened, It would invert the basin and isolate it as large land masses upheavaled around them. And as what we know as modern France, northern modern France, today called the Grand East, begins to really form before humans really were even there. We now have an ancient seabed or... I guess, a shallow seabed. Now, rolling hills. Vegetation begins to happen. And then we have the countryside of northern France, a place the Romans would call Campania, Champagne. And underneath these gentle, gradually sloping hills is gold in the form of chalk, limestone, and marl. Remnants of tectonic activity and organisms that once lived in this area, giving us what we know today as Côte de Blanc, south of the capital of Reims. Côte de Blanc, hill of white, pure chalk. Also Chardonnay is the variety here, but still. Côte de Saison, Aube. All these areas are heavy with this chalk because of the activity of the earth back in the day. A kind of soil that can hold a capacity of 300 to 400 liters of water per cubic meter and provides wines with just enough water to thrive, even in dry-ish seasons. And when humans come into the picture, like winemaking humans... Romans started it, of course, and then we go off from there. It was it took a while for all of this gold under, under vine to be realized. And the story of Champagne gets to that realization. And when that happens, things get crazy. So now we have an understanding of what that soil is all about and how precious it is for the wines in that area. The climate here is crazy. The hills are not that elevated. It doesn't matter because it's a colder climate. It's not easy to grow grapes here. And the idea of champagne is kind of a making lemonade out of lemons story on steroids. So now we understand the soils and how important they are and why people talk about them and where they came from. Get ready, because next week... We talk about the humans, the Romans, a saint, and a king. Let's talk next week. Vinepair Keith is my Insta. Rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps get the word out there. And now for some totally awesome credits. Wine 101 was produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vinepair headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout-out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon for creating Vinepair. And I mean, big shout out to Danielle Grinberg, the art director of Vinepair for creating the most awesome logo for this podcast. Also Darby Seaside for the theme song. Listen to this. And I want to thank the entire Vinepair staff for helping me learn something new every day. See you next week.